Hello. Oh, good morning. Good morning, Dan. How are you? I'm much better. Much better. How are you? What do you mean much better? Are you still sick? No, I mean, I just last week I was still getting over it. Oh, oh good. Good, good, good. Yeah, my my good wife and my, my child were both uh, <laughs> dealing with the same thing I had for, you know, like a week before I started and they're just getting over it. It's terrible, these weird viruses that are out there in the world. That's miserable. It is. It's horrible. Mm, 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 mm. <clears throat> Boy, I just listened to the first few minutes of Quit. You were mad. Oh, thank you. Wow. It's good I mean, that people love that show, and I love doing it. It, it takes we a lot of... You get so energy. mad on that show. I, it's a side of you I, I don't ever hear. You, you sound like you're really going off the rails. <laughs> it's not that bad. It really is. No, it really is. <laughs> you start sounding like a, like a morning shock jock. Really? Mm-hmm. No. I don't think so. It's a We're very not positive... living in France. We live in America. We drive. I'm sorry. We don't live in France. <laughs> Did you write that down? Did you make notes or something? It's I'm a, flattered what, that you would even listen to the show. Thank it's a, you. It's I, my number one show besides this show. Did you know that? No. Um, you, um, no, but it was, <laughs> it was a hell of a thing. Yeah. Bad week? <laughs> no, it was a good week. Thanks for promoting it. You can go to 5x5.tv slash quit slash 66 to hear the return of that show. Well, you, you can whistle past the graveyard about it. I'm, I'm still, I'm still uh, stipulating that you sounded like you had a terrible week. It was you a good poor week. Kid. It was a good week. Huh? It's been a long, it was a long, very long. We live week. in America. You have to wait three hours to get tires. I had to get tires. I had to spend almost $1,000 on tires last week. You want to get the nice Michelins. Your family's in that car. It makes it. I'm so glad you listen. Yeah. Uh, it. it well, makes, I figured I should. You. You were kind of busting a gut on Twitter. And I figured I should go listen. Make sure you're okay. How? Did, what did you think of the show? Well, I only got as far as you make, make talking in a funny voice about uh, people who walk places. Keep listening. Keep listening. The callers are really good on it. Mm. Really good. We had a couple really great callers. Good. 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 It's all about the callers. So why did you decide to change it back to quit? Uh because it's about smoking cessation, and uh, no, because I felt like that was the true spirit of the show. Mm-hmm. I tried it with grit for a while, and I felt eh. And I asked a lot yeah. of people about it, and they said eh. And I changed it back. All of a sudden, it, this whole show, the, the momentum is there again, I feel like. Good, good. That's a nice feeling. Yeah. Even if That's it's nice just feeling. me who feels it, it's perfectly okay. Well, if you, but you are uniquely the person where if you don't feel that, it's not going to be good. Yeah, that's true. But we yeah, had some well, great I'm, emails that come in to our, to our show. We did. I, but, I mean, we were talking... Um, I mean, just to close the thread, I, you know, never mind. It's okay. No, let's um, hear it. I mean, it's your... Well, no, 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 <laughs> never mind. No, never come mind. on. You're, you're, you're in a silly mood and you should run with that. I'm in a good mood. I'm, I'm feeling... <laughs> Me too. I feel Woo! good for the physically good for the first time in a while. That's a nice feeling. Yeah. Mm. Let's see. Yeah, we got a lot of good email. We got lots of good stuff here. Um, interesting emails from people. Uh, some little bits of follow-up. Uh, I have a couple things I want to promote because I want my podcast to be popular. Oh, this is all getting less easy. Have you noticed that? Just in general, the whole podcasting thing. Yes. Yes. It's getting less easy in every way. Yeah. How so? How, how can we, what, like, how, where I, would you start with that? Well, you know, maybe that could be a separate uh, thing to talk about someplace. But um, yeah, no, it's just, it's crazy times right now. I think, I think a lot of stuff is changing very, very quickly. And um, it's, it's just super interesting. Like what? I mean, about the, like what? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> like I think we've. Oh, this is really boring. No, it's not. Get People, thing. this is why they're here. Oh my god, it's I have, good. I have my my internet quota of being argued at on the internet. Like I'm I'm way past capacity right now. I don't know if I and everybody's seeming very argumentative right now. So I don't want to I don't want to poke the um, poke the bear, <laughs> poke the bear. 
Hi, have you ever poked a bear with a I don't bag? feel like we really argue on this show very much. I think we've Oh, had... no, we don't. We know better than that. No. Yeah. Um, no, I, I just think that... Um, I don't know. I, I have I have thoughts about this that are mostly um, mostly anecdotal from my own experience, but also things that um, I feel like I've observed, mm-hmm. which is a different kind of anecdote, I guess, mm-hmm. a secondhand anecdote, and then a little bit of like talking to my friends about it. But I think it's a, it's a very interesting in the Chinese sense of the word time. Um, <laughs> is that ping pong? <laughs> no. May you podcast in interesting times. Yes. Mm. The interesting times podcast with Merlin Mann. <laughs> Hi, I'm Merlin. Welcome to Interesting Times. Um, may you always live here. Um, there's just a lot going on. I mean, on the one hand, for people who are uh, new-ish to the world of podcasts as, as a thing, it kind of feels like, and I, I know this is this this is something you've talked about, and has kind of been a bee in your bonnet, is that it seems like every month or two. Um, public radio or the mid roll puts out a pu- press release that makes everybody think a podcast just got invented. Yeah. And everybody's paying a hundred dollars CPM. <laughs> right. Can I tell you guys something? I love you all so much. Nobody's paying a hundred dollars CPM. <laughs> Do you think that's happening? No, no. I remember it. You time. think a show that's in the top 20 in terms of downloads is getting a hundred dollars CPM? Oh, no, no way. And you the, know what? The basic math on that would be you have to do three episodes ever. <laughs> If you are if you are in the top ten of podcasts on iTunes and you're getting a hundred dollars CPM, see, I could see that going like, okay, like we do this vertical market white label app, very specialized thing for somebody in like the medical devices industry. We only need five in five listeners because they're the people who are buying the medical device white label things. Uh, yeah, yeah. If your show is getting two hundred thousand, like what? What's this American Life get? What do you think? Oh. There, a couple, couple three, five hundred thousand. Uh, let's just say at least two hundred. I think. <laughs> okay, so well, how much is that per episode? It's not a lot. I mean, it's it, two, it'd be two million dollars per episode. It's crazy. <laughs> no one's getting that. Um. Anyway, so that's part of it. Is that the that landscape is changing? There's so many different little bits of the landscape that are changing in the same way and in a, a Chinese interesting direction. Uh, for example. Uh, there is like so like kidding aside or you know what not kidding aside um the fact that everybody kind of rediscovers that podcast exists i don't i don't personally that doesn't bug me too much except in as much as like if somebody comes up to me and goes have you heard about podcasts i'll go oh my god i'm so excited that you've discovered this thing that i've really been enjoying for years and that's terrific here i can i can i can actually suggest some ones you might want to try um so that's good um in a sense but i think the whole uh, there are so many podcasts and I think that fewer and fewer, when I say sponsors, how do I put this? Buyers. So whether you're thinking of working directly with a sponsor or whether you're thinking of working with a company that represents sponsors, who really, let's be honest, works for the sponsors, um, you know, that's all changing fast. It's consolidating fast. There's more and more interest in strict metrics. I mean, now that you could have a show where you go, hey, look, Libsyn says we get, you know, 120,000 downloads per episode or whatever, that, you know, that empirical evidence is making it harder to sell on charm and personality, which might be a good thing. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't have too much to say publicly about it, but it, it, is, a, it is a crazy time. And you know, the, the, this is not, I don't mean this as like an excuse or a defense, but like it is for this show, I don't do much for this show. I don't have to do much for this show. I've done more in the past, but mostly I just show up and record and do show notes. That's it. But, you know, doing, doing a thing every week, it takes probably more time than people would think. Oh, yeah. If you're... You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. 
And even if you're just doing a Shucky Jivey show, like you still have to do stuff, but you have to deal with sponsors. You got to make sure the reads are in. You got to make sure everything's correct. Are the codes up to date? You know, it's all those little like death by a thousand cuts kinds of things that you really don't want to get wrong. It, it, you, you feel bad when you get something like that wrong. It's not difficult work, but it is a lot of um, surprisingly um, dull, fault intolerant work, which is the worst kind of work. What's well, good? Yeah, dull I, I, and fault intolerant <laughs> work. Oh God! But what you you know you talk about metrics and things like that, and I think people, the sponsors, buyers, are they really are really really comfortable dealing with things that work the way that they're familiar with things to work. For example, web based advertising. So the way it works in web based advertising typically. Is well, you, the, you say, classically anyway? Yes, you know. classically. Is you say I I would like to. There's a great website out there. I want to run some banner ads on that site. Okay, they come back and they say it's it's this CPM cost per thousand. Uh, so you say okay, here's the agreed upon CPM. We would like to buy five thousand impressions uh, on in the banner run on this. And then there's reporting software behind the scenes that is actually showing how many times this banner has been displayed and when and to whom. And it's it's all done and it's all in software. And you can give those people who are buying access to that report. And then as these companies start to find their way to podcast advertising, because they hear that podcasting is cool and that podcast advertisements work, and both of those things I think are true, uh, then they, they want it to work the way they're familiar with it working. So they come into it saying, we need really, really good metrics, and we need, essentially, they, they want to know those same things that they knew on the web advertising side that is much, much harder to give them on the podcasting side. But they also want more and more I'm seeing from sponsors, because we sell for a lot of shows. The sponsors are coming in now, and they're saying, hey, you know, we, we need more than just that. You told us that the show gets between, you know, 10 and 20,000 downloads, or between mm-hmm. 50 and, and 60,000 downloads. What happens if you tell us that it gets 50,000 downloads, but it only gets 45? We, we are now going to come back and want that other five. Because you, you, you agreed that that was the metric. Right. And because in the web advertising world, it, that ad keeps running until it gets what you said it would get, whether that's a week, a month, a year. That ad keeps, So how do we get that back as podcast advertisers? How do we get that 5K? And we say, well, you know, it, it's kind of different than that. But they're saying, no, no, no. No, it's not. Actually, it's the it's going to work the way we want it to work. Uh, right. So it's, you know, e- even just the way that's, whereas before you were talking about, you mentioned the sort of sponsors coming in because they like a show. And right. I think it's true for this show. I think it's true for a lot of shows. If they like the personalities of the show, th- then they, they would buy that. They would say, you know what? We really like this show with these people on it. Now it's, we really like this show with these people on it. And here's the CPM we're willing to pay, and how can you prove that that it got that many downloads? Right. right. Uh, so it's it, it's it's a very, and I'm not saying that this is bad. Obviously, it's very good for for the sponsors because they want to know what they're getting, and if they're spending money, like they want to see the return on it that they expect. But it's it makes it very hard, I think, for creators, especially people who are independent creators, like um, you know, uh, one of my friends, he uh, Aaron Mankey, does this show called Lore. 
And it's a really, really sh- cool show. And it was like at the top of it's iTunes. It's really, it's unique too. It's, I, I haven't heard anything else quite like it. It's, it's in, it's in the, uh, the style or genre of certain kind of like popular or storytelling type shows, yeah. but it, it's, it's the topic and the presentation is, uh, its own thing. It's really, it's a really good show. It's a fun show. And I mean, it was like killing it on iTunes, but just to give you a, a picture. I don't know how many downloads he's getting, but this thing was like featured on iTunes, like the big banner. Like the big banner. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's doing it all on Patreon. There's no ads. And like he's got 85 patrons and 375 bucks per month. And that's what a featured prominent, like people think, oh, it's in the top iTunes. He must be like, you know, get going out and shopping for Bentleys now. No, you know. That right. he's 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 not probably even close to breaking even for the amount of time that he spends doing and researching this great show that he's doing, you know, um, and it's just it it's it's tough because the industry's changed a whole lot in a real short period of time. Oh yeah, and I I, I have had the feeling for a while uh, that it's going to change a whole lot more. I think the way things look a year from now is going to be real different, um, and you know, and it's every every you know, business or industry evolves and and you either evolve with it or you figure out what you can put up with or whatever. Right. But, um, no, but I mean, you know, I, it's on the one hand, it's the, there's sort of the professionalization of this industry, which is not a bad thing. Um, but, and, and and again, I, I don't mean this to sound like sour grapes because I absolutely, I don't mean it this way, but, um, you know, if you've got a show where I guess, I guess, I guess the one concern I have is that, you know, it's, when you describe the way like an advertiser likes to have really good metrics, it's totally understandable. And I think one of the things that make podcasts so appealing is that first of all, it's so economical compared to other kinds of advertising. Yeah. So you may not get as many people, but you know, one GM could for, for the cost of like one television ad could buy like a whole year on a podcast. And, and you know, it's certainly a whole different kind of thing, but um, it's, uh, I don't shouldn't get into this. But I just, I, I hope we continue to see an interesting diversity of kinds of shows. I, ho- I hope we don't get too hegemonic and too kind of uh, averaged out in terms of the kinds of shows people want to make in order to make the sort of thing like, oh, Serial's popular. Let's make a show like Serial. Like, that's great because Serial's, Serial's a good show. I wouldn't want a thousand shows like that. Yeah, I don't know. If I, 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 I'm, I'm one of the numerous ways I'm learning that I'm a weirdo uh, on the internet is I like shows that aren't too formal. I mean, I like the written shows a lot. A ton of what I listen to is public radio shows that are very polished, very well done. But I also some the ones that I feel warmest about, the ones that I personally enjoy the most, are the ones where if there is a strict outline, I don't notice it too much. I I really like hearing people have a conversation and maybe i'll have to say maybe the sweet spot for that is something like the slate culture gab fest which is a show that i really look forward to every wednesday and it's just it's three people who are at slate the editor the film um reviewer and i'm not sure what the other what the guy does but they um but every week i look forward to that and it is it's kind of an ad for slate in a lot of ways they usually are talking about something somebody wrote on slate that kind of stuff i don't i don't mind that at all because slate's a great publication that kind of show is in the pocket for me because uh, it's still conversation. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not just headlines and reactions or it's not just like, here's the 15 tips we want to cover. So anyway, I, I, this is really off, grossly off topic, but, uh, well, no, I mean, in a way, I don't think it is because the, we're, what we're, what it seems like we're talking about is, uh, something that's true kind of across the board. And that is, you know, you, in, in, in our lives, right. We get used to something being a certain way, even if it's for a short period of time. And then when that thing changes, 
even in a small way, like we have to adapt to that whether we want to or not, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, uh, even, you know, silly things like this, this, uh, this thing I had to get the floor busted up. We had to get new tires or whatever it is. Like these little things that you don't necessarily expect can have a, a small or a large effect. And that's because we have, uh, now I'm going to get all like Buddhisty, but we have this clinging to the way that things are or the way that we believe that they should be. Most of our, uh, our, our, our complaints or our suffering or our discontent with the world kind of comes from the fact that we believe something should be one way and it's a different way. Whatever, whatever that is. We believe that, okay, you know what? The world is supposed to be like this, or um, my uh, my desk is supposed to be like this, or the TV show that I wanted to see is supposed to end this way, or whatever it is that creates this kind of dissatisfaction. And we, are, we uh, as human beings, are always clinging to the, the way that we think things should be. When if we didn't, I'm not saying this, this is the hard part, right, is, is learning to say that, you know what? Things are the way that they are, and everything is kind of impermanent, even the things that we want to be permanent. And if we, uh, if, if we can be a little bit more agreeable to that fact, we can endure a lot, we can endure a lot more uh, of those changes with a lot less suffering in the process. That's good. That is good. Want to button this up? Yep. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man. Um, <laughs> let's see what else we got here. Um, some follow-up stuff. Um, might not follow up, but like, like nice, nice uh, questions and input from people. We could talk about that. Um, what are you into? I would love to do that. I thought that some of the emails that we got over the last, since the last episode, uh, were really interesting. I think my sort of fever inspired rant led to a lot of interesting emails, many of which we addressed last week, but we're yep. still getting, you know, some, some people who have responded to our response to that and i didn't mean to make i didn't mean anything because i was kind of in a weird state of mind but uh i didn't mean to sort of make waves or create some kind of controversy but i think it's opened up some interesting you know as you would say some dialogue <laughs> with people mm-hmm. oh, yeah, inc- including didn't the original person who wrote us yeah he followed right, up too right, yeah exactly so we, uh, we can do that Hmm. Hmm. Oh hi, how's it going? Good. I did not have enough coffee today. Is that is that it? Mm-hmm. I had too much. Yeah, see, now we're we're all mad now. I'm not mad. No good. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Um, only child. Can you do great work in a big company? Excellent follow up on interstitial time. I thought that was very yes. interesting. These are all good. Yeah. What do you like? Well, I thought that the concept of being an only child was interesting because you you were an only child, right? Or mm-hmm. no? And no, totally. Yeah, yeah. I was an only child for most of my childhood. And it's I kind of was in an interesting situation for a, a year or two. Uh, so I, I like that topic. That's a good one. Yeah, this is uh, listener Doug says, if memory serves, Merlin is an only child like me. Um, my wife theorizes that my lack of siblings explains up to 40% of my own personal weirdnesses. 40, and, not 45%. <laughs> I love that. 40. What a great line. I think my wife believes very much something extremely similar. And before I read a bunch of turns out on the topic, I wanted to hear your take. And he says, Merlin, uh, can you talk about how being an only has shaped things like introversion and, and energy maintenance, tolerance for interruption, tolerance for people touching your stuff, <laughs> amount and flavor of praise needed to make an impact, self-imposed expectations, 
of independence in every area of your life, what you're willing to give up to maintain the independence? I thought this was a very interesting question. It really is. And I think that, you know, I, I wish I had done a little more research before the show to find out what percentage of people are only children versus, uh, you know, children with, with, with siblings. Um, and it's, it's always fascinating to me because, you know, I think if my parents' marriage had been a good marriage instead of them getting divorced when I was, you know, four years old or whatever, um, would, you know, would they have had more kids? Would I have, would I have had siblings if, if it had been, if it had worked out better? I should ask my mom if she was content, you know, with just having uh, me. But that's something that's so interesting. You know, are are people who have siblings like somehow more well adjusted? Uh, Do they function better with a spouse later in life? You know what I mean? Like, do they raise? Yeah, like I'll never know. Uh, But it's it's fascinating. Do you have a higher tolerance for other people messing with your crap? If you, if you're really, it's a really interesting, thought provoking question. The other thing is, you described. You said you were an only child for most of your life. Is that what you said? Yeah, for most of my childhood. Yeah, there there are there are probably some people who end up having uh, a miracle brother or a miracle daughter or a miracle brother or a miracle sister, right? Where like you get to be 16 or 17 as an only child and then, whoa, there's another kid on the way. That, that's, that's an extremely rare case of somebody who, who knows what it's like to be an only child and to also have siblings. Do you know what I mean? Because you're, you're, you, you could be, is that making sense? Like you could totally. be raised through your most formative years as an only child, but then also have a sibling. It's still not quite the same thing as what you normally think of as having a sibling. So I guess what I'm trying to get at is while there are corner cases, uh, the first thing to see and acknowledge is that all we know is what we know. You know, if you are one of the people, it seems like probably most people come from families with siblings. If you come from a family with siblings, you can't imagine or, you know, it's, 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 it must be difficult to imagine what the other side is like. And for example, with my wife, my wife has many brothers and sisters. I'm an only child. And we both feel like our experience is normal. She thinks it's normal to have lots of siblings, or right? Like lots of kids in a family. I think it's entirely normal to have exactly one kid. It seems like the perfect number of kid to me. Um, but I mean, there are so many numerous benefits to having siblings, not the least of which is they can go beat each other up while you talk to each other sometimes. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I, I don't, I haven't thought about this too much because it's got a little bit of that whiff of like, the importance of birth order stuff, which I'm sure you can find importance in. And please don't send me studies. Please don't send me PDFs. But I'm sure that there are things to be discovered there. But you, the more you scratch at this, the further you get to the whole like nature and nurture thing in some right, ways, right. which like, what? gosh, why don't we just talk about, you know, free will? I have a lot of thoughts on this because coming... Do you at- self-identify? Do you self-identify as an only child? That's interesting to me. I I guess I no, not really. Even though you I consider am. yourself a trans sibling, no, because okay. Well, here's the situation that I had uh, is that when I was about okay, so my parents got divorced. I guess it was four, four and a half, and then at about age ten, ten or eleven, yeah, eleven, uh, my mom got remarried, and she was remarried for two years. And the guy that she got remarried to also had a kid who was about a, not quite a year older than I was. So I went from being an only child to literally overnight sharing a, a, a room with a, now a bunk bed in it uh, with, uh, with this kid. And, the, and, and this, oh, man. Yeah. And this kid Ooh. had some issues, too. He was not uh, in, in the, the 
he was he was not like mentally the healthiest kid in the world. And uh, so for about two years of my childhood, from about 11 to about 13, which are such easy years anyway for a kid. You can do that standing on your head. Oh, that's a breeze. Yeah. Easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had, Just play, I, play some sports. You'll feel better. That's right. I went from, you know, having no siblings to sharing, you know, my, my own bedroom with uh, this kid who I didn't really like. And it's one thing for siblings who are raised together to not like each other because they really love each other anyway. But, you know, like it was it was really a strange chapter of my childhood and had long lasting effects that years later therapy helped me figure out. But, you know, like that was just such a strange, like looking back on that. And, you know, like I've asked my mom, I've been like, well, kind of what were you thinking there? And like in her mind, she was she was doing it um, at least in part for me because she thought, well, you know, you'll have a dad and you'll have a sibling. And these are things that kids want. Of course, she didn't ask me about it. But, um, <laughs> you know, like in her mind, I think I think the intent was very good. And uh, and and she had no idea of the, you know, y- years of fallout that would result from it. But it was it was a very strange situation. And then going back to sort of being an only child again, um, you know, to, to, I guess in, so in a way, yeah, I guess I identify as being an only child with kind of a, a, a tumultuous in, interruption, <laughs> right. With an asterisk. Uh, but you know, like for my wife, she's got a brother and a sister, both uh, younger than her, uh, close in age. And for her, it was never a question that we would have more than more than one kid. For me, it was a question: Should I have any kids? But for her, it was: Well, we'll certainly have two. And uh, that was just, you know, it. It's it's interesting being a parent. Period. But being a parent of two kids uh, was just fascinating to me because they they love each other a lot. But they do not get along most of the time. So there's always a sort of screaming and fighting. And, you know, one kid steals from the other one and then the other one antagonizes the other one. And they, you know, it just uh, but they love each other and they have fun playing. So it just it's a strange dynamic. But to continue on with the only child thing, like even like little things like I don't know if it's that you're used to your own space per se or that you know I don't have a problem sharing or anything like that and my kids dominate the whole household but like even little things of like you're in the kitchen and like even now after all this time being married like if she walks over to the sink and I was on my way to the sink I'm still not really sure the best way to handle that situation oh I get that I'm I'm very comfortable standing in front of the refrigerator I'm almost always in the way <laughs> right I don't know. It's weird. It's like the amount of there's some kind of an energy field there or something. <laughs> right? No, that's exactly what it's like. But I think that's siblings. That's actually the, like ha ha. But that's actually an interesting way to put, look at it. Is like how much you're used to even having to deal with the idea that somebody would be in your space. Right. Like like here's a really obvious one. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off. But like, no, here's no, a really not obvious at all. One is like okay, you come home from the grocery store and there's stuff. And the thing is, and I, you know, it's funny, I joked about this with, with Roderick yesterday about how like I go out and buy stuff, like I buy office supplies, and they just disappear now. <laughs> Like I, I spend a hundred dollars on notebooks and pens and, and paper and stuff like that. I bring it home and then I just find it around her room because anything I've got now becomes hers. And I'm trying to discourage that, um, to say like, well, you know, believe me, honey, I've learned you don't want to keep starting new notebooks. You should really stick with one for a while. Right. But, uh, but, but in that case, there's not three other people who she's contending with. 
She knows, or, or another way, put it, put it another way. She knows that if she uh, takes my straw boater hat, puts a tiny bear in it, and puts a paper towel on it so I can have a bed, like that will be in this same place <laughs> later today. That will not be disemboweled as a bear. <laughs> Nothing will have happened to it. Like there's a certain kind of consistency when you're an only child. Whereas I, I bet you feel slightly under siege all the time when you have a sibling. I think you must, and I think it's it's like. The idea now, like I was saying, you know, like, and like you're saying, stuff that you have in your house, you know, like I never had, like I knew guys who had waited a while to get married and like got married in their 30s and, uh, and, and like they had a really hard time sort of adjusting to the fact that there is going to be another person or persons there who will move stuff around and, and do different things. And like, if you get like a glass of water and you're drinking it and you leave it on the on the table you know you can't be surprised later on if it's gone equally you can't be surprised if it's not gone you know and and like just those little sort of (laughs) rules you know what i mean like heisenberg's uncertainty glass that's right there's like exactly 50 percent chance that it might be there or maybe it was never there right and the attitude is from your spouse will be something like like well, you know, you left it there and I knew you were, you know, I, I figured you were done with it if you left it there. And the flip side of that is, well, it was yours. I'm not going to put that away for you. You know, you can do it yourself. Like there's, there's this sort of, you know, like understanding those subtle things. It's so funny. I, I, I just have to, I have to tell a little story here. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple weeks ago, my daughter fell into the toilet because the seat was not down. And that's horrible. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and, whoa, whoa. yeah. And, and she's three and she's tiny Aww. for being three. She's tiny for being three. She wasn't hurt or anything, but, uh, but she got toilet butt. That's no fun. No Poor fun. Kid. No fun. And, uh, it, she's very, she's like very clean. I wonder why. And, uh, and so <laughs> had to, you know, like shower or whatever afterwards. But the reason is my brother-in-law who's in his thirties and single and still, you know, I think the bachelor very much. Uh, didn't didn't bother to put the seat down. I have not not put the seat down for fifteen plus years. It's not even a question. The seat goes down when you pee and you're done. The seat's down, and in that's fact, not, that's not a battle worth fighting. No, just get, I, there's you, a time every man it. thinks that is a battle worth fighting. That there is something <laughs> fundamental about his masculinity that must be shown by the fact that he can't be bothered to utilize gravity <laughs> right. to make everyone's life easier. It's just you guys give it up. Just just put the put just the put goddamn it, lid down. Put it down. Put it down. Put it down. It's toilet water. Put the lid on. But he didn't, as a as a bachelor, for his whole life, it never, it didn't even occur to him <laughs> that what he that he wasn't doing something that he should have been doing. And it's the same way that it didn't occur to my three year old that the seat might ever not be down. Right. Uh, but it's like these little things like that. Um, that you know, my my seven year old boy always puts the seat down. He just does it. He doesn't think about it. That's. He might forget to wash his hands, but the seat's down. <laughs> so it's like having a sibling. I think it just wired. You're just wind up being wired differently from the get go. And I think it it must make it easier. I have no idea, but I would think it must make it easier for you later in life when you want to cohabitate with a spouse. And, and yeah, oh gosh, I, I imagine or have a roommate in college for the first time yeah. or something like that. But like I'm I, I'm trying to figure out bring some subtlety to this because, you know, I, I always find it a little bit facile when people want to go, Oh, my kid is like X. Like, really? Your kid is like X for a minute. Like your kid is going to be like X. Like, so what? You know, my kid's creative. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, huh? 
And what are the implications of that? And, and we'll show your math. Like, that's weird. But so because I mean, I feel like there's a constant evolution. And sometimes, sometimes people end up being a lot like nearly the opposite of how they are when they're young. It's something, you know, like some, some, you watch the evolution of any kid or any person, like they can t- change an awful lot. So I'm trying not to draw too much of a conclusion here, but I'm trying to think about like the classic stuff, like the sharing and stuff like that. And the truth is like at my kid's mostly current age that she is now thinking of in the last like year or so, she's actually turns out pretty good about sharing. And it's the kids who have siblings who are much more grabby (laughs) and territorial. So I'm not saying that has any long-term implications, but on the face of it, you would go, oh, the only child is supposed to be the psychopath who never wants to share anything. In fact, she's very happy to have people come in. And as long as they're like not tearing stuff up, she's very happy. Like, oh yeah, let's play dress up. Let's do this. Let's go build that. Let's just share each other's toys. And you know, did I ever tell you about my lions? I don't think I know about your lions. Okay. Well, finish your point and I'll tell you about my lions. No, that was mostly it. And I mean, like, the only thing then is it would be interesting to think about how that ends up pivoting to the workplace, whether that's thinking about, uh, not just to make it relevant, because I am genuinely interested in how you think about the way people treat you based on whether you're used to a certain kind of family life, all the way down to, like, who ate my dietetic lunch, (laughs) Like who ate my special yogurt? Who touched my right. diet coke? Right, like those kinds of things that like are the like the real like that's that's where stuff really gets real in the office is like in that refrigerator. Like who didn't take out their food on Friday? Like Doris told you to, right? Like and like and here come the post-it notes. So uh, uh, tell me about your lions. Well, I had these uh, these two lions that were they had a like a. I want to say they had a fur. They were plastic lines. They were not opposable. So they were, in that sense, they were almost like statues. And they had... They were not they were articulated lions? No. And they had a covering that was sort of like, a, almost like a peach fuzz for their fur. And if you were to scrape them with like a, you know, a piece of plastic or a, th- a thumbnail really hard or bang them on something, it, the, the, the fur covering would kind of could scrape off if that makes sense does it mm-hmm. there's very very much a 1970s kind of a toy like a sphinx cat like it's got barely it's got like a peach fuzz but yeah. it's it barely yeah you know. and i and they were i forget where they came from i think my granddad got them for me from a i don't know where but they were nice and i had managed to keep them nice i was not especially delicate with my toys like most of the stuff i was you know i was a kid that was like taping uh you know, like a firecracker to uh, GI Joes to make them blow up, that kind of stuff. But I had managed to keep these really nicely. Uh, and uh, I remember, you know, like learning to sharing is good. You're supposed to share stuff. And then the, the twins came over one day and there are these two girls. They were kind of nice. They came over. They played with all of the, my toys. They didn't share any of the games with me while they were there. And they got hands on the lion's. And they managed to rub and bash up all of the fur on the lions and oh, ruin no. and ruin them. <gasps> and that, like, that taught me I- incorrectly. But as a kid, I was probably like seven years old. Like, I, I remember this whole thing of like, screw it, I'm not sharing anything with anyone again. You know, like because well, lesson learned, right? Like all this time, they say share, share, share. I share stuff and I treat it like it's, you know, uh, I don't know, like they're precious, precious materials, you know, like, uh, like, a, like, a, like, like, 
if someone lends me something or whatever to you, I remember one time, did you ever trade video game cartridges like Atari 2600 time period? I've done stuff like that, yeah. I think I've told you this story before. I don't want to, you know. Oh, read. the guy switched out the card on you? He switched it out for combat. Mm, and his weak. parents wouldn't believe me. Oh, well, Craig would never do that. I'm like, well, Craig would totally do that. Play the game. Like, put the game in. That's why you give somebody a name like Craig. Craig would totally swap out a cartridge. Jeez, Craig. Spoiled. Are, he was rich. He was one of the richest kids in school. He didn't need to do that. We had nothing. I had nothing. Nothing. And he was a, one of the richest kids in school, and he swapped out the cartridge, and no one believed me. Sharing. <laughs> so much for sharing. Somebody has po- posted, Howard Chicken has posted a picture of a He-Man, pa- of uh, a, a Panther He-Man toy, different from the toy that I had, but the same kind of fur. And I would like, if, if it's okay with you, I'd like to put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. It's very close to what, I, it's so close to what I have. I feel like that this may have just been co-opted by He-Man and they put a saddle on it because this is really close to that lion. Hmm. I'm going to put that. I'm going to put that in the show notes. Thank you to uh, astute listener, uh, Howard Chicken. Howard Chicken. Room. Thank you, Howard Chicken. Hmm. Powder fur, they call it. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> so it was an action figure? It, it it was not an action figure. In a sense, it was just a, a lion. Hmm. Was it like a see. collectible doll? It was a... It, not a plush. It was not a plushie. Hmm. I'll try and send the uh, the image to you over the All robot. Right. I'll be here. <laughs> but I don't know. How do God, we know? I hate Craig. I've never met Craig, and I already Oh, my him. gosh. And this is just the kind of thing he did. He always did stuff like this. That's what you'd expect from a Craig. He always did stuff like that. But you know, like my life is full of these different of these different things, and I don't know. Like I look at my kids now, and I see the one, uh, like they 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 enjoy antagonizing the other one. And my little girl will have you know will 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 she's still in that hitting stage, so she'll go up and she'll get she'll she'll hit my my son who's seven with something, and he will never he almost never hits back. He's smart enough to know the consequences of, of hitting back. And she'll hit him or something. So he'll walk into the playroom or whatever. And he'll, Mm -hmm. like, in a very uh, sort of obvious blatant way, start, like, playing with her toy, her Barbie, her, uh, you know, whatever, Tinkerbell thing, whatever. And, like, start busting that thing. And she'll start screaming. This happens ten times a day. Ten times a day. Oh, my God. And so, like, the idea of having an only child is very appealing in, in some ways, but it's too late for that now. So now you have to deal with... You have to retcon it. Yeah. You can't do that. You have to say uh, the second one was actually like uh, raised by a talking cow or something. Yeah. Magneto's her dad. Yeah. Hmm. Battle world. I'm not. I can't get into it. I give up. I'm, I, think I'm, I think I'm on a long term. I'm, I'm broken up with Marvel for a little while. What I are you reading? time off. What I are you reading myself. Hmm? What are you reading instead? Oh, uh, not too much. Not too much. I, you know, actually, I say that, but I, I still like Marvel Unlimited as a way to, you know, uh, wet my beak, you know, from time to time. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, not super into the comics. But with that said, can I mention something? Yes. Please come out to Two Cats Comics on Thursday night for the ninth of our uh, Ungainly X-Men meetups. Because there actually, actually is lots of great stuff I, I still... 
you know, it's just Marvel right now. I mean, Image is doing so much great stuff you can't possibly keep up with. There's so much great Image stuff. It's like it's it's all a little overwhelming right now. But uh, but please come out to Two Cats Comics in West Portal on uh, this Thursday night. Uh, that is the ding ding ding. Is that the 25th? Is that correct? Yeah, I got I got it on a web page here. You can go to merlinm.com slash meetup, and that will also be in show notes. And that'll tell you everything you need to know, uh, including those uh, the streetcar lines to get there and what you can expect, 7.30 to 9. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. People who have been there can tell you it's it's a riot. And then we all go out and have a drink at the pub next door afterward. Sounds like fun. It is actually. It is. Actually I would love really to fun. go to that. Yeah, it's funny. There's these funny little like Venn diagrams of... Uh, like the people who come to different kinds of events, you end up seeing multiple places. It's really cool. Like a lot of the folks, and not just the things that I do, but other things, but like the, the meetup, which we do every couple months, uh, things like Three Ring Binder, you know, the same folks will come out to that. And it's it's a lot of fun. It's I think that a lot of people have gotten to be, uh, have, have made friends or have made better friends by coming to these things. It's pretty great. I mean, it's about helping people. Oh, wait, you, oh, that's why my pocket's buzzing. Because you sent yes, me something. Sent you the... So please come out to, uh, anyway, uh, uh, I'm going to look at this. Yeah, that's MerlinM.com slash meetup. You can uh, see it there, but just so you know, Two Cats Comics in West Portal. It's, I think, 320 West Portal Ave, 7.30 p.m. Please come out. Um, Dan, I'm going to look at this picture of a cat you sent me. Hmm. Can you please tell people where to find show notes for this episode? Ah, yes. You can go to 5by5.tv slash B as in boys, two as in the number, W as in walrus slash 226. And that's where they will find show notes, including a picture of the uh, the he-manized version of the lion. My The lions I had were lion colored. This one is purple. but Oh, the traditional lion color? Yeah, just regular lion color. A little, can little I do normative. It? Let me tell you about some I like. Can I also point out that we j- I just got a toot from uh, a man named Craig with the hashtag not all Craigs. <laughs> oh. You win this one, Craig. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Are you talking about something you like? I will tell you about MailRoute. You know who should be handling your email? Email nerds who do can nothing. Can I guess? Can I guess? Yes. MailRoute. You want people who actually care about mail and understand what it is. They could say, is this mail? That's mail. That goes in the mail part. Right. They look at this other thing over here. They say, that's not mail. That's, that's like a lid from an old cup. That's not mail. That's right. That's right. That's what they do. Then these they have, they've hired people who understand these things, and they're going to make your world better. Yes, and that's what they do. They they actually came up with this amazing, like the world's first cloud based email filtering solution. They sold it to to Microsoft, and then they came back and they said, you know what, we're going to do something like that, but we're going to do it even better. We're going to come up with the most effective spam and virus filtering available, and that's exactly what they give you. And I've I've told the story of how I had a domain that. Had become plagued by email. It was unusable. All the email addresses on it, and uh, and I put MailRoute in front of it, and it it fixed everything. And and for for the uh, for the geeks out there, you need to know all you're doing is adding an MX record. You're adding an MX record so that all of your email for your whole uh, domain goes through MailRoute first, and it only lets the good stuff go through and get delivered. And you, you can change how aggressively they filter stuff. Uh, I've never missed an important email. Uh, and that's that's the amazing part. But I get like no spam whatsoever. The beautiful thing about this is you don't need to reconfigure your email clients. You don't have to do anything on your computers or your, your iPhones, your Android phones. It just all of that works the same way. You don't have to change a thing. It just this is this uh, it gets gets in there and stops everything bad from happening. And they have a special URL. It is MailRoute, M-A-I-L-R-O-U-T-E, MailRoute.net slash B2. 
W. And if you go there, you will get their free trial and 10% off the lifetime of your account. Again, that's mailroute.net slash B2W. It's a good URL. Um, I would also like to say that I like working with MailRoute. I like the people there. I like I like their product and I like the people and they're they're uh they're great to work with. Very fun people. Yeah, they like they 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 you know follow up what people will say and they listen to the shows and stuff like that. It's really cool. Yeah, that's something that you know you get as we talked about like the sponsorship stuff at the beginning of the show. As it kind of becomes a more corporate kind of a feel to it, like this is our CPM, here's the insertion order, da 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 da. Um, MailRoute is still dealing with like it's a small company and they're regular really nice people who get on the phone and you can laugh with them and, and talk about, you know, spots and fun things. And it's, it's really cool. Great company. Great company. <sighs> I need more coffee. How much have you, how much do you have now these days? Hardly any. We were well, hardly uh, any five, five cups a day. <laughs> well, I had like half a mug today. That's not much. I was in a hurry. I had to get out of the house. Um, but um, no, rarely more than two cups a day. You know, my my body just can't take it. Do you spread it out or is it all at once? I don't spread it out. Just boom, I, uh, I turbo boom. blast it. Yeah, you got to. Mm-hmm. You got to. Yeah, don't get me started on the energy thing. It's like a whole thing right now. Are you yeah. struggling with it? I'm struggling with it. I'm struggling with it. Um. So what else do we have here? We have other good things. So the only child. Yeah. So anyway, there's there's. I feel like a little bit of a. Uh, I would be guessing a lot to say, but to answer Doug's actual question, I think I have to guess a lot of how I am comes out of being an only child, but a lot of how I am comes out of a lot of things. That's, you know, right. I think it's true for anybody. There's all kinds of environmental factors. Um, this isn't something interesting to talk to John Syracuse about, because he's a big believer in the nature versus nurture. I think that, you know, that, that, you know, that what, how we end up being has a lot to do with, with like, Genetics is probably too strong a word, but like with our family, I tend to think that uh, we're all maybe not malleable, but very fragile in in ways that uh, at least I am. I feel like I feel like the way that I I got to be about certain things came out of some fairly minor like lion rubbing type incidents. It doesn't take much to like really make an impression on a little kid, and you can end up something that seems really trivial to everybody else could feel like a really huge deal to you. Yeah. Maybe that's where having siblings comes in. If you're constantly in pain, you're constantly beating up or being beat up, maybe that helps you develop perspective. You know, I don't know. I mean, I think it it must have to increase your tolerance level for disruptions in your environment that that you sort of simply understand are beyond your control in a lot of different ways. You know, like I remember for me, one of the things that I had struggled with for so long was sort of, and, and maybe it came out of, uh, of of you know having a, a a stepbrother and then not you know what I mean like I don't I don't really know but for for a long time I think you know how I've talked about the little the little horse that mm-hmm. had to stand you know like feeling like I needed to try to have my environment be a certain way and and deriving a lot of comfort from my physical environment in a way that other kids at least in my observation didn't it didn't matter so much to them you know whereas like having your environment be and i I mean i'm still that way to to an extent but i'm so much better like it used to be really hard for me to travel because of the sort of what if scenarios that would play out in Mm -hmm. my mind you know like 
well, I need to pack this and this and this and this and this. Like, do you really need to pack Neosporin? Well, it's, you know, just in case I get a cut, I'm going to need Neosporin and some Band-Aids. It's like, well, like we're, you know, we're going to Chicago. They have stores, you know, in Chicago where if you really need something like you, but I would like be the person who would have to pack a pillow to go and I'd be like checking luggage because I had a pillow in there because I wanted to, you know, and and I remember I was sitting there with, with my therapist one time and we were talking about, uh, we were talking about, I think I was talking about how like I had, uh, I had been listening to music or something while I was jogging. I was out jogging and, uh, you know, I said, I've said something like, well, you know, like, well, you know, what, what if, what if like the iPod uh, runs out of charge or something while I'm jogging? She's like, yeah, what if? I'm like, well, that would be bad. She's like, why would it be bad? Like, well, I wouldn't have anything to listen to. She's like, oh, you know, think right, about right. that. Like, what, what would happen? What would happen to you if you were on a 30 minute jog and the music stopped? Like, and like after that, I said, you know, I'm not even taking the iPod for, for a while. And I didn't. And it, it was fine, you know, but like, this is part of the stuff that I had to learn that like, you know what, you can go into a situation and just kind of roll with it. And that's okay. You know, like not, not having things be just the way that you expect or want them to be or the same as at home can actually be a good thing. You know, like you can go somewhere and have a different experience. And if you're trying to recreate all of these things that you're deriving comfort from that are around you, you're going to be miserable everywhere you go. And then you'll get back home. You'll be like, this place ain't so great. Why was I in such a hurry to leave that place? I just went because my pillow was wrong. You know, like it's, you're missing out on the world. At least I, I was. And I don't know. Like, I, I feel like that, that, that kind of stemmed from, from having kind of the rug pulled out from under me or things just changing Mm -hmm. so much all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's two really, we've covered this a million times, but two very related things happening there uh, were like the, the second thing is this didn't turn out how I expected and boy, I better prepare better next time and nobody's going to mess me up next time. Nobody's going to break my toy next time. But then the first part, the part that you end up living with a lot more every day is the fear that things are not going to go the way you want it. So now, now once again, we're back to that old problem of having a bad feeling about a bad feeling. And so if you're, if you're constantly on scanning the horizon and I've had this on days where like some days I'm just a sad tomato. Some days I'm just having a bad day. Some days my kid, everybody's like this, right? You just have a bad day and all you see is stuff going wrong until like all you start noticing is stuff that's going wrong and it really accumulates and like you get more unhappy or you get more angry or whatever it is. I mean, there aren't that many days I feel like where like I'm getting like exponentially happier all day long. Like, I feel like I don't get a lot of those days anymore. Um, but I but don't you think that comes from a similar thing of like, well, it's my anxiety about having to confront a place that, it's my anxiety about having to confront a situation that didn't turn out the way I expected. Right. It starts to govern your life. That's when you start closing a lot of doors. It's like, ugh, that might not be what I expect. Yeah, and that's things, the whole point of travel in some ways. I mean, you do want, don't want to be uncomfortable. You don't, you know, you don't want to have the trots and not have Imodium with you. Like, you know, prepare to an extent, but like right. they have pillows and Kleenex most places. You know? Yeah, yeah, they really do. And I, I just, I remember that feeling and the stress, playing that, that intense what if game. And I actually talked to John Syracuse about this a little bit uh, on this one episode where, of Hypercritical where he talked about his own sort of personal travel anxieties and woes, many of which uh, were were similar to to mine. But like you you get into this whole what if scenario of like 
what if I don't have this? Or what if I don't have that? Or what if this thing is wrong? Or what if the thermostat in the hotel room doesn't work? Or what if I'm late for the flight? Or what if the seat isn't the seat that I thought it would be? Or what if this is uncomfortable? Or what if I want to close my eyes? What if I don't want to close my eyes? What if I want to watch this thing? What if the batteries are not? Like, you can play that game forever and all you're going to do is make yourself miserable. But it, even knowing that, it's it's tough to it's tough to stop. But see, something just changed for me. And I, I'm, I, I think it was about four years ago where I don't really know exactly what it was or exactly why it changed, but I all of a sudden was like, okay with flying and okay with traveling. And none of those things were an issue for me at all in any way anymore. Right, right. And I can, I can get on a plane, I can stay in a hotel, I bring stuff, sometimes I forget stuff, I go and buy it, you know what I mean? Like, I don't even, mm-hmm. it's not a thing anymore. And that, that was like a huge monumental shift for me, but I wish I, wish I could explain why. Yeah. Um, boy, I'm spacing out. I had, I, had a, I had an example of that that I was going to share with you. Um, that's felt, the only sponsor, right? You, you have been, no, thing to just that one. No. Just that one. Yeah. You want to well, go speaks, make a coffee or something? No, I'll be fine. Uh, speaking of $100 uh, CPM shows, yeah. um, there was a really uh, moving episode, a very interesting and moving episode of uh, Startup this week. And so the conceit on this show is the first season they followed... <laughs> They followed the creation of their podcast company, <laughs> and then the, this season they've been following the evolution of this uh, startup that does a, a matching service for dating, like non-algorithmic, like they mm-hmm. use people. And it's you know it's been it's been pretty interesting, and especially as the season evolves and the turns outs come along, and you're like, oh, like one of the ways they tried to not fail was to be on a podcast. It was actually very interesting, but you know, there's been a lot of tension between the the co-founders, and it's. Uh, it's this woman-run company, but it's primarily these two women. Uh, who's there's like the tech woman, and then there's like the match matchup woman, and they've had this long similar simmering thing about there's the sort of power disparities and who's doing more work and who has more responsibilities, and there's a lot of hurt feelings. And they bring in this guy they call the CEO whisperer, who's this guy where apparently it's a thing uh, for C- for people in startups to just like have meltdowns. Like it's it sounds incredibly intense. The, the long- CEOs are having the meltdowns, or just any any any. Any employee? Well, could could be any employee, but I guess there's a, a, a special and unique kind of difficulty in um, in starting up a company where you know all the, all the usual things that you would expect. But the only thing the thing that's important for this story is that they bring in this guy who is a he's basically uh, this real straight shooting guy who comes in and just like calls you on your crap but gets you to talk to each other and he does not take easy answers. And he kind of forces these two people to have a, an uncomfortable conversation that's way overdue. And this is what he does. His role is to come in and get people talking again and to get them to air their grievances and to the extent possible, work them out. And along the way to understand how they got that grievance. And like, is that something we can do something about? And I don't know. I I, I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but, um, but there's a very interesting part where they're talking about, he's talking to one of the co-founders and she's saying like, you know, well, you know, she treats me this certain way and I, I, I feel really bad. And, and so he kind of starts probing her and he sort of does a version of the, the, the seven whys or however many whys exercise. Basically she's, she's talking and she's getting very emotional and saying, uh, you know, and, um, you know, my feelings get hurt. And this is really terrible. And, and he goes, okay. And so, so what happens then? And she goes, well, I, I worry that, uh, I worry that he's like, no, no, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, like, come really tell me what, what it is that you're scared is going to happen here. She's like, well, uh, I'm afraid I'm going to have to leave the company. And he goes, okay, what happens then? 
And she he, she goes, well, I'll, you know, I will be out outside and I'll, you know, and I'll start to feel like he's like, no, no, tell me, tell me, tell me. And he basically keeps saying, and then what happens? And then what happens? And then I'll feel like a failure. And then, and then, and, and so on and so on and so on. Until he finally gets down to the, first of all, getting her to acknowledge that there is a deeper emotion that she right. hasn't gotten to. Right. So, I mean, I'm fine to go two levels of deep on why, on anything to just go, I don't want to think about that. But he really provokes her to keep pushing until both of them essentially agree that they want the other to per- uh, want the other person to like them, and they're terrified of failing in public. And like it didn't solve the problem, and there were a lot of tears. But basically, forcing pushing her to keep moving. Okay, and then what happens? Okay, so what? Then you're homeless and you're living on the street. Then what happens? And it's a classic kind of thing a good therapist would do, which is to get you to even envision what that fear actually looks like and then keep probing in that fast. It's a very interesting episode. I recommend checking it out. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, it's difficult to do that sort of thing on your own. You kind of need to be, you know, provoked by somebody else in a situation like that. You know what I mean? Because you will give yourself a break at some point or you will run, you will find yourself falling down the rabbit hole that's most comfortable to you or most familiar to you, I should say. So I don't know. I I thought that might be an interesting thing to, uh, Check out. I'll no, it, show notes. It, that's really cool. Yeah, show notes. Why did I? Why did I bring that up? What did that have to do with what we were saying? I don't know. It's good though. Yeah, I think it had to do with what you were saying. Of, of, of probably the therapist walking you through the what if, uh, and what if that happened? What if that happened? What if that happened? Kind of scenario, mm-hmm. which is a very. I mean, it was a very useful thing because it really, really did make me get to that thing of like a, a, the deeper issue of like feeling like I'm unprepared for something without props oh yeah right that's it yeah, yeah exactly yeah without yeah, props the, without the, without you know with, without stuff to use to help me get through it what if it's what if it's just me like what if i don't have the headphones what if i don't have the neosporin whatever well, it like, starts what, out, i think it starts out really rational i think it starts out if we're talking about something like a a sort of phobia about traveling. That could be that you don't like being away from home. It could be that you're uncomfortable or very mere nervous flyer. Um, it could be that, you know, it, it is just not fun to fly so much these days, mostly. But but then there's this other part where it comes a little bit more like, I just, and I, I, this is just being straight up, because I think a lot of people have this and are not comfortable admitting it. Like, I am dreading, um, I'm dreading the prospect of potential inconvenience or boredom. That's where you end up. Like mm-hmm. right before you get to that, you get to like, oh, I hope I have all my pills. I better have pants. I need toothpaste. You know, you start going down that what well, feels like a practical route, but like somewhere when you get closer to the bottom of what that is all about, you get to like, I don't think it's even necessary. For some people, sure, maybe it's fear of death. I think for most of us, for most like healthy, <laughs> healthy uh, majority Americans, it's like, I just, convenience and boredom are just intolerable to me. I think that's how a lot of people feel. You're like, well, why do you have to have all of those devices? Could you have, like, just your iPhone? Well, no, I got on my computer and my iPad and my this. When you're kind of, you're thinking like, well, I don't know what it would even happen if I couldn't play a game or watch a movie or read something anytime I chose to. <laughs> Not everybody. Not everybody. No, but I mean, I think it's, I think that's a really, really valid observation because that's what we're always trying. It seems like we, and I'm including myself in this, of course, is, is that like, that's what we are trying to avoid. You know, like if you think about the, the olden times when like the sun would go down, that pretty much meant like your activity was winding down at that point. You know, you had a fire, maybe you had some candles, you could do a little reading and writing. 
you know, maybe maybe just speak to somebody and have a little uh, little whiskey or something. But like pretty much when the sun went down, that was the end of the day, and we would go to sleep. And when the sun came up, we would wake up and do our stuff. Mm-hmm. And and you know, we, you and I have talked a lot on uh, on the show about you know the these blue screens that we're always staring at and how that changes it. But just the idea that like you're at a stop sign or a stoplight and you don't like you don't have access to something you can't pull twitter up like what a world would be how how terrible things would be if like you were out of touch away from your notifications and your email and your twitter and your game and your you know yeah. messages and all of this stuff for like the duration of a stoplight like that imagine just, the insanity just so we don't incur the wrath it's not it's not just about phones that could also be about potato chips that could be oh, about yeah. virtually anything it really depends on what kind of habit you've built over time and if you if you have if you have a habit of reacting like so let's say something happens and then it's sort of a little bit like a cognitive behavioral thing i guess like you, you end up doing your own kind of twisted and broken cognitive behavioral therapy every day, whether you realize it or not. Even if you, I mean, just in the sense of like, you're building all of these bonds and like strengthening all of these pathways without ever giving it any thought. So like if something happens in the world, you feel a certain way and then you act in this certain way. The first time that happens, it may not be a big deal. Like you may be able to shake that off, mm-hmm. but then it happens again. Something happens in the world. You feel a certain way you act. If you start doing that 35 times a day, it should not be surprising that it's difficult to not compulsively pull out your phone or to grab a handful of chips or whatever it is. Um, right. And the, I don't, I don't feel like we're saying that it's bad to do that, but, but like there is that, I, I remember probably 15 years ago, a buddy of mine was uh, telling me, he's like, Oh yeah, that my, my radio in my car died. And I said, Oh dude, that sucks. Like, what are you doing? He's like, yeah, actually I kind of like it. And I was like, wow, like, how could you survive without having radio on in your car while you drive around? Now, if my kids aren't in there, I don't, I don't play the radio at all, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it, mm-hmm. I definitely will, will go for the iPhone if it's a long light, you know? And well, is that yeah. bad? Is it bad somehow? I don't. Well, yeah. And I, I was trying to be, trying to get a little more subtle than that. It was, it was more, it's not to say that any of those things are good or bad. It's more a way of saying that habits exist, whether or not you're aware of them, mm. that habits don't need to be acknowledged in order to be real. Um, habits, I guess, maybe like priorities, uh, must be observed. It's, they're very difficult to create. Um, a habit, because a habit, you know, if you need to build a habit about something, it's probably because you didn't have a habit about it before, or you're trying to replace a bad habit, which you're actually kind of trying to do two things at once. You're trying to stop doing this thing and start doing this thing, which is really, really difficult. It's, it's just that, I guess what the, the part I'm trying to get at though is, is not whether any of those things is particularly good or bad in its way, but more that it's the, when we talk about things like fearing inconvenience or boredom, it's that idea of reaching for your pocket and your phone not being there that could make you uh, really, really sweaty. It, it could make you feel real weird to not have that there. Because yeah. now, first of all, you're like, I can't check my phone. But second of all, you're like, oh my God, where is my phone? Right. And you know that feeling. Yep. Now, if you have the right or wrong kind of personality, you can start to feel that way about a whole lot of stuff. Stuff that is, I think, arguably way more or way less important than phones. Um, but, you know, again, it's just whatever habits you have been built. And then once you've built those habits, you can create this entire hellscape in your mind about what's going to happen in Chicago over two days. Like, it's not, it's not difficult to make that feel like the biggest, <laughs> ugliest, weirdest thing in the world. Yeah, totally. People are stupid. They're so, I'm so, so dumb. dumb. 
Um, so that was, uh, so we want to thank that listener and the other listener. The interstitial time, I don't know. We don't probably don't have, well, we got a little bit of time. I should have got another coffee. Jeez. Go get, go make something. Oh, I don't have any here. I'd have to go to the, go to the place. The place reopened. I got it. You said it, you just said it, it just closed. A different ownership or? Well, yeah. So what? One goes one way. <laughs> no, they, they've reopened under new management. They've, they've, uh, they tightened things up. They're not offering as many things. They don't, uh, they're not, not, not all crazy for crepes anymore. Never understood that. Um, and now it's mostly just the coffee thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Did you get your Keurig? No, my my lady has uh, got some kind of a coupon ish thing mm. where we can get one like on July first for like really cheap, and it comes with coffee. I think we're gonna get one. Do it, yeah. Do I got it. a sous vide thing for uh, for her Father's Day. People in the chat room were asking about that. What's the story on that thing? Oh, I talked about it a little bit on Roderick. We don't have to go too far in on it, but it's really cool. It's this thing. Is that thing Andy Andy Notko? Did he talk about it on on the show you do with him? Uh he he mentioned it briefly on an earlier episode, but he's very into this. It's really fun, and as somebody who's been watching Top Chef for years, it's fun to be able to do it at home. But it's basically it's this it's a device that the closest antecedent that most of us might be familiar with, if you're old, is like a tea infuser. Like when you're in college, you get one of those things you can put into hot water, and it boils hot water. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's like a little it's like a coil. It's yeah. like a coil with a with a plug on it, yeah. a cord. Yeah, this is much more sophisticated. It is like a large uh, lightsaber. You clip it to the side of a pot. You put it in with a whole bunch of water, and then you put some kind of usually protein in a, a vacuum bag or a Ziploc bag, get all the air out, and it cooks it exactly perfectly to exactly the temperature you want. And then, even if you leave it in there, it doesn't keep cooking. So like last night, I made really thick pork chops and just cooked them at, uh, um, don't kill me, Don Schaffner. I cooked them at 140 for two hours, and they were sublime. Does John, Don, uh, Don wants it warmer than that, like 160? Don says, be careful. Okay. I mean, you know, but the reading I did made it sound like there's a funny irony or I guess paradox to this, which is that, you know, just because you cook it to 160, yeah, you're probably going to get the pathogens out. It's just that, you know, you do risk all that dryness and stuff. With this, the fact that you're cooking it for so long mm. at a certain temperature kills a lot of the, the, the problematic pathogens without overcooking it. It's the it's the length of time and and cooking it longer doesn't cook it more. It's totally weird. But don't you don't you want there to be on like the outside of the pork chop or whatever it is you're making? It always seems like people are doing this with pork chops. Don't you want like the crispy outside? Yeah, you do that. You do that after you're done cooking. Okay, so so it's cooked and then that is just a. Uh, uh, it's like a perfect, a perfect like steak or, uh, or a pork chop or chicken breast. It's like, it's perfectly done just without a sear. So I usually just put a little bit, uh, I don't even season it anymore. I just usually put a little bit of butter or canola oil, but preferably butter. Butter's great for this. And you toss it in for like 30 seconds per side and you're done. And it's like, if, if you do a steak at like, I did one at 130 and it was like a perfect medium rare. I think I could do it probably at 125. I'm guessing for like a really good rare. I haven't checked the, the numbers on that, but you know what I'll find? Uh, this, is, God, this is so boring. It's not. Um, uh, there's a great guide, Andy Link, to um, this guy has this extensive, you can get a whole book about sous vide and the science of it and all that kind of stuff. And it's got tons of great information if you're interested in this stuff. I will add that to show notes. So Father's Day. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Where is this? I'm clicking, I'm clicking. Sous vide precision cooking. It's not cheap. It's kind of expensive. Yeah. 
I wouldn't have bought that for myself. But is it I don't just like steaks and and pork chops and that kind of thing, or could could you, is there other things that you want to do? With That's a very good question. It's uh, it's really really good for proteins and not so great for things like like carrots. Like you know, like carrots, you want to do, um, in a, I think in a more like traditional way. Like, you know, like carrot, carrots and potatoes and stuff like that could be great in a slow cooker or they're great roasted, but I don't think they do as well in sous vide. Apparently eggs, if you're careful, you can do really good eggs. What the, the uh, does it make a this, hard, is it a hard boiled egg then? It's whatever you want. Is This is the part that's so weird. This is the part that so turns out based on how we, everything we've ever known about cooking, right? Like if you put, if you do bacon, right? And what do you do? The, what do you do it at like 425 or something like that? 400, yeah. 400. You put that in the oven for 10 minutes the bacon's going to be undercooked even though the oven is technically right. Just 400 degrees. Right. You leave it in there for 20 minutes. It's probably gonna be pretty good. You leave it in there for four hours. Well, you can make for damn sure that's going to be really, really burnt. Right. That's not how sous vide works because the sous vide, I don't exactly understand this, but it's just, it's making the water exactly the temperature that you ask. So basically, and then you just, you use the timing to just say how long you want it to be in there to make sure it's long enough to, uh, you know, but it doesn't, it takes usually about an hour to cook anything but you could be in there longer but it doesn't cook it more it's completely perplexing to me am i, am I explaining this well? well yes but it sounds impossible so you're saying so, it sounds totally impossible so like if you leave it in there for four hours it doesn't cook it any more than it would at two hours i think it won't i think it might tenderize it more because it's breaking down fiber stuff into gelatins and stuff like you would do like with a brisket or something like that huh. you know it's a great book also, uh, that I'll put in show notes, a, a book, uh, great if you, for the food nerd in your life, for the science nerd in your life, on food and cooking. I know if you like food, you've probably already heard of this. But what's the guy's name? Harold McGee. It's such a fun book. And it's all about the science of food. Not just cooking, but food, too. Like, like why, why does meat taste good? Because it has a family. <laughs> Back to work next episode. There we go. All right. So that's, uh, that's Father's Day. I, I, you know, can I, can I promote a couple things of mine? Yes. I want to make sure people know about this because I still meet people who tell me they don't know these things exist. I feel like I've talked myself blue in the face about it, but I still want to make sure people know. I have a new podcast with uh, with Jim Dalrymple called The Dalrymple Report. I think we're on our fifth or sixth episode. And I would love, there should be an episode coming up probably not, not long after this episode of Back to Work goes up. I'd really like you to listen to it. I don't know if you had a chance to talk to Jim about this, but he wrote a wonderful piece on uh, The Loop about what the Apple Watch has meant in terms of his health. Yes, we talked so, about it in, in depth uh, last week for uh, like the first half of the show. Wasn't that an interesting story? Very. At, at the time that we recorded, he had lost, I think, 42 pounds. It's amazing. That's, that's, that's a lot of pounds, Dan. It, it is. And uh, no, you know, and I'm proud of the guy because I think he's, he's doing it in a way that sounds pretty, pretty sane. And he heavily credits the Apple Watch with making that possible. Um, well, I, I put, I put the it. episode of Amplified where he talks about it in uh, the show notes as well in case people want that for, for backup. Great. Check, check them both out. But I would love it if you would uh, listen to the Dalrymple Report, and uh, I, I hope you like it. I think we've really we've found our feet, and it's it's turning into a show that I really, I, I've liked it all along, but now I understand it. It's starting to, I, I understand the show. And it's if you like hearing Jim and I talk, talk about the role of tech stuff more in our life than as a business... It's a good place for that. And I would love if you listen to it. You can go get it in show notes for this episode or at loop, is it loopinsight.com? Loopinsight.com slash the Dalrymple Report. And I would, I would love it if you guys would listen to that. Um, we need you guys listening to this to, to make it a big banger hit. 
And the same is true for a show I do with John Syracuse called Reconcilable Differences. And this past week's episode was really, really good. And I hope people go and listen to it. Uh, it's called Helena Cell or Helena Cell. And uh, we talked about Fight Club and sports, Dan. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No, he, he took me to task on Fight Club and it was super interesting. Wait, wait who was on which side? He was on the side of, I've heard you talk to Dan a lot about how you don't like Fight Club, and that frustrates me, so I want to find out why that is. Oh, man, I got to listen to this. Yeah, well, he took me to school. It was really good. It It is a great movie. I know you don't, or you didn't. Well, he, he teased out, you know, something that I was not fully accounting for, which I will, I will leave to the listener to hear, except to say that I think my reaction, bad reaction to Fight Club comes largely out of its most ardent fans, and that I wasn't really being fair uh, to the movie as a as a thing. Because I found myself saying, you know, I really like this movie, but... but, 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 but Have you read the back. book? No. Okay. No. I, uh, but I went back and watched... Uh, well, you know what drives John Syracuse crazy? Watch the first half of a movie. Makes him nuts. Drives him crazy. He's like, yeah. how could you find, time, you find time to watch half of a movie? I'm like, it's like, yeah, I watched half a Fight Club last night. It was really good. I forgot about the glitches. The glitches. And the, the glitches and the, are and great. The, and like him, like, like appearing early in the film, I'd yep. forgotten about that. Yep. Escalator, really good. Doctor's office. I've so seen that movie it, um, way too many times. It's a really good movie. So uh, that's called Reconcilable Differences. It's uh, John Syracuse and me. We're, we are currently committed to a ten episode uh, season one, and we've uh, had three episodes come out so far. Please check it out. And like I say, listening to podcasts and uh, telling your friends about it helps us a lot. Um, and so you can see that ad relay dot fm slash rd or in show notes for this episode. That's the stuff I wanted to uh, to promote. What do you want to talk about? Uh, talk, talk more about uh, quit, quit, quit. Yeah, I mean, go to go to go listen to to quit. If uh, you know it, it, it kind of evolved out of conversations that we had on the show. Uh, and it's it's a show that I, I really do believe in, and I, I get more feedback from that show than any show I've ever done, including this one, uh, of people with with questions or just these amazing emails that I get who are like, I listened to these episodes. It changed my life. I quit this job and I found a new thing or I, you know, joined with my friends and we did a startup or, you know, just the, for some reason it really resonates with people. And that's absolutely, that's all I want to do is do something that's, uh, that like people care about besides me. So it's really like, it takes a lot to do that show for me each week. It it takes a whole lot, but uh, I love doing it. And uh, that's sort of my, other than this show, that's like my show, even more than like my hour a day news show. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's yeah, cause a, it, your, um, your, your voice has primacy there. Yeah. And I get to, I get to talk about things that, that are difficult and confusing and interesting to me as a person. So five by five dot TV slash, quit is the place to go to to go check that out all the great shows all the great shows and uh can we talk about the thing that you're doing in september i mean it's on the thing that i'm doing in september portland oh oh oh, yeah right, right, right right yeah sure well um in in september of 2015 <laughs> I, forgot, I forgot i was doing you're that. doing a thing yeah, right. uh <laughs> At uh, at XOXO, which is a wonderful conference I've been to every year since it, since it started. Uh, one of my favorite conferences. Really the only conference that I go to. Did you get in this year? I am in this year. Yay, good for you. I am in. And uh, so I will be in attendance 
uh, to to that in Portland. It's in September. If you don't know about it already, then you can't probably get in. But if you are on the if you like applied and you got your notification that you're invited, I, I would say absolutely go to it. And this year, Merlin is going to be there and you're going to, can we, what are you exactly doing? Well, it says it right on there. There's a storytelling track. Yeah. And actually, I think the uh, Gimlet people are going to be there, like the Reply All people. Yeah. And uh, You Look Nice Today will be there. That's wonderful. Um, in you person, know, little, all, all of you, every one of you. Little dog and or pony show. Yeah, well, we did, we did two and a half appearances at uh, WWDC. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. We, and it was really fun, really fun to do. There's audio of the thing we did at Jesse Char's Lairs conference out there somewhere. Uh, I have a copy of it. I, I hope we'll put it out at some point. It's really, really, you know, bathroom humor is funny. It's why they call it humor. That's right. <laughs> but uh, bathroom serious. You'll be, <laughs> you'll be there and you guys will be there and you'll be doing this thing. And, uh, and, and it's great. Do you think we can get John Roderick to come down from Seattle? I doubt it. Yeah. He's got a, he's got an election to run. I know it. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be after the primaries. That'll be uh, that that he'll be in the heat at that oh, point. I know it. The he- the heat. The heat. Yeah, but there's a lot of uh yeah, I don't I don't know what to expect at this thing. Are you it going sounds... to the whole thing? Are you going to the conference as well? Or are you just one of those cool know. people who just like you fly in, you do your thing, you get out? I don't know. I don't know. I'll just you know, I'm doing a thing in Portland. It's it's weird. It's a, it's a little people people get excited about it. They get pretty excited about it. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to that. I'm going to a place. It's pretty exciting. Yes, it is. You're leave. You're leaving, and you're coming. Then coming back, presumably alive. I'll bring some emodium and pants. Yep, and extra pants. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you can only ask so much of emodium. That's right. Back to you, Dan. What? Which one am I? Yeah. So there's that. Uh, that's it. Anything else? No. <laughs> Anything that's else? It. I got a got a birthday coming up in November. Uh, the birth of our Lord uh, will be celebrated in December. Uh-huh. Yes, your Lord. Um, Emerson, Lincoln, Palmer. Little overrated. Uh, hockey seems like a fun sport. Oh, geez, Dan. Did you see the inside out? No. Okay. You should see that. That's all I'm gonna say about that. That's, that's the one where he puts his uh, brain in a, in another person's body, but then the other person. This right. is, it's, it's pronounced Dr. Frankenstein. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And he, he comes in and he, uh, he works with the Ghostbusters and there's a guy in a monkey suit and you got your brain in a jar, and he says, I said lunch, not launch. And then Marty Oh, Feldman Inside Out is the Pixar one. Is that right? Yeah, no, Inside I out. haven't seen that. Everyone's talking about how they're crying through it. Grown men, <sighs> Matt Howie, cried uh, like, a, like a baby. I don't want to cry like that. Yeah. I don't blame you. Mm. It's, uh, it's a crier. It's a crier. No, but it's, it's, it's really good, too. It's, it's, I'm very happy for Pixar. Um, I'm, I'm very, very happy for them. Because it's, it's a very creative movie, you know? I mean, maybe now some of the pain is worn off and we can speak of it. Like Cars and Cars 2, like they're very well executed, but they weren't magical. Let's be honest. Cars 2 was not a magical movie. No. Um, not in the same way as something like, you know, any of the classics, you know? Oh, we had a benchmark moment uh, last week. First time we watched Toy Story 3 and all three of us cried. You'd never seen it before? Well, I've seen it probably a hundred times, but it's the first time my daughter saw it and had tears at the end. Oh. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I was a big crier when I was a kid. Cried and cried. Um, so that's a good movie. (laughs) I should probably get some more coffee. Yeah, I think. Wow, wow, wow. He's very, very judgy at the end. (laughs) He sounded so mad on that show. He sounded really, really mad. I'm passionate. No, you're mad. You're that's, mad. Somebody wrote you an email, and he, he, he did that thing that I hate where he said he's going to quit listening to a show that's not coming out enough. What? 
How's that work? Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me understand this. You're going to quit listening to the show because I don't put it out enough? Yeah. I'd like to see the proof for that one. Mm. Bring some chalk. <laughs> selfless selfless is what I, I thought you meant self 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 slash less is an upcoming selfless. 2015 sci-fi uh, thriller film directed by Tarsim Singh and written by David Pastor and Alex Pastor the film stars Ryan Reynolds Ben Kingsley right those are the guys that invented butter the film is set to be released on July 10th that sounds terrific an extremely wealthy aristocrat dying from cancer undergoes a radical medical procedure that transfers his consciousness into the body of a healthy young man. Mm. I thought that was hmm. an inside out, selfless. Doc, doc Ock type situation. Doc Ock. Doc Ock. Doc Still Ock. a no show in, uh, in Amazing Spider Man, I must, I must huh. say. I heard Peter's coming back, and Miles and Peter are coming back. Is that true? Did you hear this? Yes, they will both be back. I don't know, though, man. I'm. <sighs> I can't. I don't, I don't like it. I, I don't, you know what? I, I can't even get into it. Nope. It's just. It's just. It seems like they are. They're. They're. They're just messing with us at this point. They're just they provoking are. us. They are. Is I that, didn't. Do, I don't. Do they know compl- what they're doing. Do they understand what's happening? I'm sure. Like Brian Michael Bendis has a big piece of paper with words on it and stuff. But like, do you think this is going anywhere? Interesting. No. 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 I have. I have <sighs> never liked Marvel least. This I do less than I do now. Well, yeah, and you know they're fantastic foring X Men now too. Yeah, we're like. It's like, oh, you know, Fox might get some traction out of this. Let's take another one of our like AAA best titles ever and like put it on mothballs. It's just dumb. Uh, it's just dumb. It's, it's just, just dumb. dumb. I don't understand it. You know, with the when the new Fifty Two came out, I have to give DC a lot of credit for that because that was a really nice way to sort of mm-hmm. for a lot of people to jump into getting into comics who had not been into it before. Really a noble, a noble effort. Really noble effort, and so many of the stories that came out of it. Uh, were were great, and I felt that across the board they were really true to the characters, and they were able to unload a lot of baggage that didn't make sense, but keep the stuff I thought across the board keep the stuff that was pretty good. I'm not saying every single title was great, and I didn't keep reading every single title, but the the big ones and the good ones they were they were they were good. It was interesting, and uh, Marvel has never done anything. To, in in my experience, that that was quite as smart as that, and I I feel like Marvel is is lost from the content side. I don't I, I don't know. I just really am not. Uh, and then we've got the new Spider Man uh, movie announced. Who's going to play Peter Parker? And uh, and there are actually these internal uh, Sony emails and stuff saying that there's like a rule. That Peter Parker has to be white and he has to be heterosexual, and then you have uh, uh, Stan Lee coming out saying, "I agree that that's the character that we invented and wrote." And he's like, oh, "I have geez. no," he's like, "I have no problem with you know if if he had been a Latin American character or uh, an Indian character in the beginning, then he should stay that." It he's, just how no, happens. More, it's not, he doesn't mean that to be unkind or or hateful he means it more in terms of being a stickler for continuity right like th- like this is who the character was and you know what make new characters that are different races and different uh different genders and and have you know all of this stuff like do all of it he's like yes make you know make homosexual superheroes good but like the ones that are what they are they should just don't go and change those things for the sake of changing them that's not the character that that was yeah, made. But there's so many worse reasons that they change things for just the purpose of changing them. Yeah. 
But, you know, also I would just like to be super clear that I would not want to throw out the baby with the bat. There are still so many people doing great work at, at Marvel. And, we'll oh, and the art is work. amazing. The art's amazing. The writing's amazing. And the coloring, it's all great. It's just that, you know, I, I sometimes feel like it's like not because of Marvel, but in spite of Marvel that we end up getting stuff that's so great for a while. And then sometimes those people just leave because yeah. it's a terrible place to work. Yeah. Oh, geez. What are you going to do? What can you do? Not much. Just yes. stop reading it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's button this up. <laughs> All right. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man. Merlin.